You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Castlevania, The Last Witcher. <laughs> That's all I can think about watching this was. It's Castlevania, The Last Airbender, and The Witcher all mashed together into this hodgepodge of an animated movie. <laughs> That's not a bad description. Yeah, you're giving this a very glowing recommendation so far. It's not entirely without praise. It's also one of those things where I'm like, I came here to watch a Witcher movie, and I got... An Avatar movie that's themed with The Witcher in it. Same. I'm a fan of all... Uh, Witcher 3 was my introduction. I read most of the books. I played Witcher 1 and 2. I watched the Netflix series. And they're like, okay, prequel. This is Geralt's mentor. It was underwhelming. I think it looks great. That's my compliment. I'm, I'm done with my compliments right there. I mean, <laughs> it, it's as good as those Hellboy animated sequels, you know, they, they, they made in the early 2000s. Those were terrible. <laughs> yeah, it does feel a lot like those. Yes, I think they took easy, lazy routes with the writing and ignored the Witcher lore completely. Somewhat. Well, let's just set up here. Hey, everybody, we're talking about The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. It's a... Prove it. <laughs> so this is a anime movie that was produced by Netflix and Studio Mir, which is why it looks so much like Avatar, because that's the studio that makes Avatar and Legend of Korra. It has all their visual tricks with their camera work, with their motion and character design work kind of thing. And I think the director here, Quang Il Han, actually he worked primarily for animation on stuff like The Boondocks, funny enough. <laughs> you know, I could see that. The fights did look good. The fights do yeah. look good. The magic... <laughs> Looks good when it, like, I can see the Avatar kind of, they cut their teeth on that. And now that you say Boondocks, like, I can kind of see it, like, in there a little bit too. I did notice that their black characters didn't look racist. I did notice that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, they did kind of look Boondock-ish in some of their designs. Which, by the way, animes, just just adopt that style. Just just start doing that for now. I'm going to try to summarize what the actual synopsis is of this thing. It's it's really not all that complex. It's the origin story of Geralt's mentor, Vesemir, which if you haven't read the books or played the games, this is most likely your first introduction to them because they're like, oh, the guy who got cast as his character the next season. Who is this guy? He is a veteran witcher, and this is set, I want to say roughly like, I don't know, 40, 50, some indeterminate amount of time before the start of The Witcher Season 1. Oh, so like 200 years. <laughs> With the way they address how witchers and witches age really slowly, it could be any amount of time. I mean, when they establish, like, oh, Vesemir is 70 at this point. It's like, oh, okay, he's 70. Yeah, you basically see his childhood as he becomes a witcher. You see him, you know, developing into this great warrior and a cocky a-hole for most of it. And then you see... A bunch of story stuff I don't want to spoil, but kind of sets up to what happens at the beginning of season one of The Witcher, sort of, vaguely. Does this movie matter in the long scheme of things? 
No. No. <laughs> Damn, I thought you were going to tell me, well, actually, this sets this up for the next season. It actually addresses some it, answers. No, but, hey, it does, but no. They could have. I don't know how much they worked with the other part of Netflix that did the live action, which I think honored the material great. It's produced by the creator of the show. How much did they check in? Christopher Nolan produced Man of Steel. I mean, how much did they <laughs> check in? Lauren just came in to give the thumbs up, just like, okay, you're good, doing great. It's a thin, tired script, and oh, imagine people fear and hate Witchers. We've seen that in every iteration. This was a chance to do something different, and they didn't. There's betrayal from within. That's every Mission Impossible movie. They make their magic users bottomless batteries for great fights, which is not how their magic system works at all. There's limitations. The more you expend, the quicker you're going to be vulnerable. And even the witches are just flamethrowing every... He thaws a lake. Spoilers. He thaws a lake. No way they could pull yeah. off shit to this level, but it's it's cinematic. It looks cool, but it doesn't fit the lore of the world at all. A true master. Yeah, and see, that doesn't even fit with season one, because Geralt, on top of not using magic very often... He wasn't even all that powerful with magic compared to yeah. people like Yennefer and that such. And even Yennefer, when she goes full tilt, there's a cost. These mages are knocking down mountains and castles, summoning multiple portals one after another. It's like Harry Potter meets all the Force users in Star Wars. They can do whatever they yep. want as much as they want. It's more Castlevania and Avatar. It's just it's that thing where the Avatar guys, even they feel a little more limited, but they have a lot of that crazy high-flying action. I mean, they're doing like... Crazy backflips in this, like you said, they're you know callously, you know, and carelessly cutting people's heads off at points, and it's just it's just too much. Like at some point, you just kind of get numb to the action because it's all the same. There's no peaks or valleys with it. It's just all high flying wuxia style, you know, effects driven action. Yep, work kind of thing. So the main point of the movie was that all everybody sucks, right? That's like that's the that's the point of the movie is what I got. Well, that's the point of The Witcher in general. There's a thread back to the TV show of why there's so few witchers now, potentially. But I I think they execute that in a very sloppy, oh, shit, we got 15 minutes left in the movie. How are we going to do this? Because this movie movie made me believe that, oh, that's probably a good thing then, that there's not... This movie didn't make me root for witchers. It made me say, yeah, you probably you probably shouldn't have any more of these. Yeah, that's the thing is that they're supposed to give you that kind of sense of conflicted morality like the show does at points. But here, you really don't care much at all about these veteran witchers, you know? Like, you get, uh, most of them get, like, maybe a handful of dialogue to establish some personality. And the ones you do get to know, you're like, well, Vesemir is just Theo James's character from Castlevania, but a dick. And then you got... Also, Dracula from Castlevania, Graham McTavish playing Deaglin, who is also a dick, an even bigger dick than him. So you're just like, why do I want these guys to win? I forget his name, but Red-Haired Witcher was the most interesting, and he has the least amount of screen time. Oh, Luca. Yeah. And he gets a shitty in, too. Yeah, that was kind of lame. And, you know, and that's the thing, it's like, it's not even that the story is awful, like, it's not badly written it's just there's just nothing really remarkable about the story it's just kind of there it just serves its purpose it gets to the things that you want to see from a witcher story and honestly i hope the show does more of the vesemir than this movie does because you really just don't get much about vesemir as a character in this he's a cocky arrogant yep. dick and he's a sad cocky arrogant dick by the end of the story <laughs> they can't do the stuff they do on this show in live action good 
<laughs> the fighting in the live action feels more like what witchers are. They're durable. They're smart. Mm-hmm. Not that they're just gods who just have to point and kill. They fall into the trap, too, that it feels like, like the prequels did. In this giant world, there's only a few people matter because it's these, the story is so intertwined of Vesemir and the girl he grew up with ends up being important. The main antagonist, Tetra, has a connection back to all this, which I would have liked it if she just feared and hated witchers and she was going to clean house. But no, we have to tie that back. They name drop to witchers we know in the now as children. Like, it all had to be tied up like, uh, see? Not just name drop, the most obvious, bet you don't know who this guy is, except it's like, well, there's literally only one person that can be yeah. so it's not really a surprise. It's like the end of Dark Knight Rises. Like, I like your name. I like your real name better, Robin. Yeah, yeah. it's almost on that level. Uh, lazy. <laughs> I, that might be a strong word, but it just feels lazy. Yeah, it just feels very effortless. And it's not to say they didn't put any production or, or thought into the action, into the, the acting at some points. There's clearly some effort in here. It just feels effortless in the sense like, well, we got to get more Witcher content out there before season two and... We present to you more Witcher content. Enjoy. A character that can transform into a wolf is named Kitsu. <laughs> Lazy. Yeah. Well, not only that, that person's barely a character in the story, which I get the reason why they give you some story, some background about that. But you couldn't care less about them. And honestly, you couldn't really care less about most of these characters. Like, I will say, the only part I was kind of invested in, even though it's super generic, was the younger story of Vesemir and his love interest, which is like, okay, it's kind of cute. It's sweet. It's got its moments. But even then, once you get past that point, and then you see them reunite later in the story, you're just like, eh, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, Captain America and Peggy Carter did it better. Oh, yeah. Way better. <laughs> but I, except you didn't see Steve Rogers make out with old Peggy Carter like you do in this movie. <laughs> make out's a strong word, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was supposed to say that I found the cast, which it's actually a pretty solid cast behind this production. They're all doing their best. Like I said, Theo James, he's just playing his character from Castlevania, like, exact same accent and everything. Laura Pulver from Sherlock is also the, uh, the you know, the somewhat antagonist lady. She was also playing her role, you know? She was playing the character they expected of her. Most everyone was playing exactly their archetypes. Like, I couldn't really distinguish anyone as being, like, great, great, everyone was solid. The only person I had a bit of problem with in here was Mary McDonald as the older version of the love interest, who... Mary McDonald can either be pretty good... Or incredibly flat. And she mostly sifts into very flat in this movie. I would agree. Yeah, I would too. But, you know, to an extent, I kind of think everybody's kind of flat in, in this. Like, even, I love Castlevania. Even some of the performances there are, are, are a little flat. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the performances, I think, on the whole are fine. She was the one that was notably flat as a line delivery. But it's also because they just don't really have much to do with these characters. They're just... They serve their purpose in the story, either to die or to motivate people or to do other things. Did you Did you guys realize we had jumped into the third act of the movie when it did? Because I, I thought we were still revealing things, and suddenly there's a there's a war happening. Because so little happens in this movie. So little happens that's interesting or really worth investing in. I liked the opening two, three minutes, because we start on the carriage, out in the middle of nowhere, and it introduces us not just to the world of monsters... And how potentially powerful and dangerous they are. But our first encounter with a Witcher. And then, yeah, it just slides. We do a time jump of 70 years. And it's unknown. It's a throwaway line later between those two characters. Like Vesemir. It just jumps all over the place, randomly firing and swinging. 
and not hitting. I mean, the only thing that was kind of notable in this show is the fact that they clearly they clearly established that nobody is safe. It doesn't matter if you're a girl, doesn't matter if you're a child, doesn't matter what you are. If you're able to bleed, they will make you bleed no matter what happens in the story. Because that opening sequence is just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> when I saw that. I was, I was kind of shocked that they went there with that. But again, at some point, you're just like, well, now that you set the standard, it's just kind of business as usual. Yeah, I was watching it. I was thinking to myself, oh, I guess, I guess this is the other side of if you add people of color to a crazy fantasy world. Oh, you're just going to see a lot of death with them also. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they kill a lot of white kids later on, too. But... Man, that was scary, though. That was a terrifying... Uh, that was, like... That was a terrifying sequence. That first ten minutes... Okay. I will say, that one scene that happens in the Red Swamp or whatever is actually a fairly decent little horror action bit, you know? Yeah, but as the Witcher nerd I am, they completely ignore, like... So these Witchers, he's like, it's a war of numbers. They take a dozen recruits, unarmed, untrained, unconverted... Vesemir literally wakes up underwater in the swamp of all monsters. Like, there's so many monsters jammed in there, and maybe two get out, and they're like, why don't we have any witchers? <laughs> when all the other source material establishes the trial of the grasses, the mutation is where they lose every, like, four, they, I think they say it in the show, they say it in the game, they say it in the books, four out of ten survive. That's it. But they go, and when you murdered 10 in the swamp, it's just like, hope you get out. We gave you medallions. That's it. Ugh. Another, that's that's nerd-picky. I know that. But it was that whole sequence. Man, you were complaining about that. I was mad they were ripping off the tuning exams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I, again, I would like to get more into specific stuff, but I don't want to spoil. But also, I don't feel like anything specific would reveal any unique information about this it's just yeah what it is i would say i wouldn't recommend this to people as their first venture into the witcher universe and i would tell witcher fans not to watch it but if i was told that as a witcher fan i'd still watch it so uh, (laughs) i don't know if spoiling or not spoiling is worth anything because the witcher fans are still going to watch it if i was hearing our review of it i'd still go well Okay, I'm kind of a completist. I'll watch it, and then I would. This Neo guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm gonna watch it anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's the thing. It's just you know, it is what it is. So I I feel like we can just go straight to final thoughts. I don't really have a lot more to say about this movie. So I'll just start. I'll say that I didn't hate this. I thought it was enjoyable at points, but in that way of like it's just a very standard anime film. It's got action. It's got blood, which. I'm getting to the point where I'm seeing so much graphic content in movies and shows that unless they do something really shocking or impactful, seeing someone get torn apart or seeing people get ter- liquefied into paste is just kind of numbing to me. I'm just like, eh. Do you frighten your relatives, Justin? I, I probably do, but it's, you know, I think it's like, it's not that I'm not disturbed by it. There are some pretty disturbing visuals in this, but at some point I'm like, well, if everything is this graphically violent, then nothing is really shocking anymore. So it's just like, all right, whatever. It honestly, it started okay. It had a kind of a slog, but not terrible middle. And then when it should climax the end, it climaxes and then it just kind of does nothing at the end. You know, it just kind of peters out into a very generic ending for me. Because so. we're going to rely on that name drop. Ta-da! Yeah, that name drop that everyone saw coming, but we're going to pretend like you didn't, is going to be the final thing you see in this whole movie. Ah, Ugh. but see, they won't get it because, like, we're going to shave his head first. We're going to make him look like Aang from The Last Airbender <laughs> for some reason. But, yeah, I'm going to give this 
Six out of ten honey cakes. I'll just say it. I'm going to be more lenient on this. I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, that's how can they be breaking these rules? I was thinking, this is kind of dumb, which I guess is not that different from Neil. But still, it, it, it's coming from a different aspect because I could, I could still watch it and be like, oh, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the animation. I'm enjoying some of these sequences. It made me nostalgic for some of those, you know, still straight to DVD animated movies we'd get in the 2000s. Like I said, Hellboy, G.I. Joe, you know, you name them. And I, I probably watched them in a lazy Heck, Even the recent Mortal Kombat animated films are probably a little better than this. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Six out of ten Peggy Carters. I wanted a new story. I wanted Vesemir's story. I was let down on both. It's all, a lot of this is so disappointing. From the Witcher nerd standpoint and just good animation. And like I said, I, I would not recommend it for people as their first steps into this bigger universe and i would not recommend it to witcher fans but they're gonna watch it anyway it looks good it missed the mark i'm gonna give it three out of ten wolf heads medallions because that's all you need to get out of the shitty ass kill swamp right right three out of ten wow yeah (laughs) brutal (laughs) i could nerd out on this for another five minutes and make myself look really (laughs) petty and critical but i won't (laughs) So Justin, when, when you're when you're watching the TV screen and a child gets lifted into the air and a fountain of blood falls from the sky, is there a little party who's like, this means nothing anymore? Well, the first time it happened, I was just like, oh, we're going there. The second time it happened, okay, that's pretty gross. The seventeenth time it happened in this movie, I'm just like, well, we're all just meat. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt by the end of this. I'm just like, well, oh look, someone's eyeballs dinging out of their head again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 